But one key thing that I learned from block printing is that there's no command Z when you're block printing. It's just a reminder to be like, take your time, slow mm-hmm. down, because this is it. You're kind of given this chance to carve into the block. friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Hilsenbrano. Together, we speak to people from around the globe about their practice and passions in the field of print media and multiples. Hello, Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products. In 1915, Ross F. George published the first edition of the Speedball textbook, which quickly became the superlative resource for artists and letterers of all ages and skills. This is a great resource for the gig poster gang or folks who want to develop their own fonts and letter forms for screen and relief printed work. The new 25th edition of the Speedball textbook has a convenient lay-flat construction and 120 pages of examples, contributors' works, and innovative technical insights that is sure to inspire and appeal to scribes and enthusiasts across the spectrum of skill and experience. There's a link in the show notes. My guest this week is Jeremy Watt. We talk about how a trip to China changed his artistic practice forever, the best techniques when communicating with creative partners, the difference between graphic design and fine art, and the fun and stress of creating block portraits of friends and family. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to talk blocks with Jeremy Watt. Hi, Jeremy. How's it going? Good, good, good. So thrilled. So thrilled. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing to join me. I've been following you on the socials for a long time and just loved your energy and your work and your openness. And so I'm super excited to get to know you a bit better and get to know a little bit more about your story and how you suddenly appeared on my Instagram, making such good content. <laughs> oh, right, right, right back to you, actually, right? even just the transition to where you're at now. I've been following along just to know that I've been a huge like advocate for all the printmakers. And, and so same, same, like I've been Loving what you've been doing, listening and binging some of your previous episodes. So yeah, thanks for really, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So would you please let people know who maybe haven't had the pleasure of meeting you on the socials, who you are, where you are, what you do? Yeah, I'm Jeremy Watt. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. It's in Canada. It's kind of right in the middle there. I'm originally from Toronto. And so yeah, I've been printmaking since the 2019, just picked it up and yeah, I've been loving it since. There's just something about the social, like the social is where it's at, right? Just getting an idea of what people are doing and learning and being encouraged by. So I've been doing that since yeah, 2019. Wonderful. And so you said you grew up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. What are those early art memories, early art cultural landscape for young Jeremy in that time? Oh, young Jim, that's a while ago. My family and we, we grew up going to restaurants with family and friends. And so these are long conversations with their friends and family. And so my dad would always bring a pen with him and a napkin and a paper napkin and said, just go draw, just go draw and yeah, kind of get out of my hair. But I loved it. That was when I first started doing illustrations. And so 
I was known as a kid who drew and like illustrated. And so that was my first foray into it. And I would draw on, on my arms, just uh-huh. <laughs> early forms of, early forms of tattoos. But when I didn't have paper, I would have just my arm and my parents would be like, no, nah, really? Like, can you choose something else? We have, I'll, I'll buy you paper. I'll buy you paper napkins. But yeah, my, my arms were my canvas. And even for school, I would draw my book reports. What little I read, I mm-hmm. would draw like Huck Finn painting the fence. And my, my teacher would always say like, if you spent more time reading it, maybe you would get a better grade. But still, this is very cool. So yeah, just my childhood was more just drawing and drawing and drawing. And then in my high school time, like the, that around that era, was going to a fine arts school. Oh, nice. So I was introduced to graphic design, sculpture, and printmaking. And it was mostly screen printing. But yeah, back then in a small school in, in Scarborough, I was just learning how to do all this stuff, be introduced to all of them, and really falling in love with different forms of media and, and really pulled me towards printmaking, but more design first. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was at. Yeah. And so did you end up at the fine art high school because your family just saw this kid will draw even when he doesn't have paper? That's exactly what it was. They saw that I was pretty happy with what I was doing and knew that like it's still I still did the regular curriculum, but majority of it was arts, you know. And so at an early age, they really supported me and really like saw the potential from it. And so, like my mom has always said, like, whatever makes you happy, oh, I yeah. trust you. And so it's been it's been incredible just to have that and pass that on to my kids, like seeing what their passion for, for like sports and for dancing and just seeing that, okay, no, as long as you're happy, I'm not going to force you to do it. But as long as it makes you happy. So my parents saw this opportunity at a high school to, to be able to do these things and saw how I flourished. So it's amazing to get that support at an early age. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Did you have siblings and, and were they artistic as well? Yeah, I had a, yeah, I have a younger brother. He's the bigger, stronger brother. <laughs> he's a younger brother. But yeah, no, he's been incredible support too. He even on social, just being able to share it and just you can see the, the, the pride that he has for his older brother. And oh. yeah, just love the he's more into sports and, and, and um, the like. But yeah, he's always been a big part of that, too. That's lovely. Yeah. And so after high school, did you go on immediately to college to study something? You said you were kind of more drawn to design. Yeah, I went right into graphic design. And that's kind of where I, I left. Like, right after high school, I felt, man, like, where do I, where do I go from here? Where do I like, what do I do? And the one area that I felt like it was gravitating toward was graphic design. And so I took that for two years and went downtown Toronto and just learned all the fundamentals of composition and color theory and yeah it was it was a great experience for me to do that and then i've after a while in my career i ended up doing more of that doing more graphic design for a sign company a print company and so it did translate some of my like classmates kind of did it for the two years do a little freelance but kind of stopped where they're at now but yeah i've been able mm-hmm. to do projects for like family just like creating wedding invites and but design was was a good start to yeah, I something I always am wondering about is where people draw that line between graphic design and fine art because I've definitely seen designs that 
move me that do their job so well that you think, oh, like this is this is art, you know, but we do make the distinction and I'm sure it varies from person to person. So maybe do you personally find a distinction? And if so, where is that? That would probably come from more of the composition, like knowing mm-hmm. where things go, space, negative space. And yeah, just even the transition from doing digital media for so long, from graphic design to doing like what I do now, video production, that's kind of where I was like, I need, I need to find something that kind of balances out. So that's what I did. I took kind of took a block printing just to get my hands into something that's analog. Something that's like takes my time. And so I, I use it sometimes just even for posts, just to kind of lay it out properly. But the design kind of ends there and just, but for me to find something that I love doing mm-hmm. with my hands has been kind of, yeah, what's been yeah, helping me navigate through the past couple of years of being staying at home, and so, but yeah, I think that's that's it's a great skill to have to to make posters or sign for for posts. But yeah, yeah, I feel like when I as we sort of encounter our artist friends out there digitally, I feel like artists who have had training in graphic design or background in graphic design. I often find that they're really skilled visual communicators about their fine heart. Whereas I know artists who are doing incredible things, but they maybe don't have that extra gear in their head that says, Mm -hmm. how do I communicate about this in a way that's visually effective beyond just taking a photo of my work? And and so I know that, you know, you're – presence online, the way you communicate about your work is really sophisticated. And that's often what I see when people have had a bit of that training in maybe visual language as sort of direct information communicating that's more found in graphic design. I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Like I feel like there's, there's application for it. It's what you learned and how to kind of navigate and pivot towards something like the composition or something like that, where you, you know the difference when you see something that doesn't quite fit or doesn't quite line up. Something in your mind kind of switches over to like, I think I think you feel like if I communicate this way, it's clear. And I think that's, I would say the same for photographers, right? People who photography, who take photography or lean towards that, have that great skill of putting this object on paper and being able to yeah, make it so it's eye-catching and draws mm-hmm. your eyes towards a certain spot. So that's what design is communicating something and bring your eyes to, so you're not distracted by looking all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said that you were introduced to printmaking broadly at at your high school. (laughs) When did you find your way back to it? You mentioned a little bit about kind of needing to do something with your hands, but what was that journey like when it started to come back into your life and, and then really kind of take over some aspects of it? There's definitely t- taking over is exactly, exactly <laughs> what it is. I have been, I've, I don't know if I coined the phrase, but I'm a serial hobbyist. Uh huh. Where I just pick up things of interest and I keep finding it and I find it and nothing really stuck. Like I'm, I went into rug tufting. So I like, <laughs> had the tufting gun and just started building rugs and wall things just because I saw TikToks about it. Mm-hmm. But it. But in 2019, I was in, visiting Toronto and I went to an art store and that part of my brain that serial hobbyist brain it was like find something and make something and so i picked up a speedball lino cut and a block and just felt like okay well this is new i think i can use what i've learned in the past 
with composition, with graphic design, but also mainly just my illustration growing up. I'm like, man, I love illustrating, illustrating it onto block and then carving it out to make multiple copies. That's where it kind of came back into it. We're like, I love it. I love that I can make the digital media. You can post it and, you're, and people see it and you're, that's it. But something to hold in your hand, see the ink marks, see the, mm. feel it on paper really triggered something in me to feel like I need to lean into this more and learn about how this actually works and techniques because you lose a charm because because when you're working with digital and printing it when you bring it to print press and you have those little discrepancies in the in the charm of printmaking you like you like oh no I, I know we have to reprint it again because the toner is uh-huh. off and so when that part of my brain was making pulling prints and pulling prints and they were getting that slight aberration little missed spots and i was like i don't i don't love this i don't love this at all and so i kind of reached out online i'm like what what is it what am i missing here to get that solid line they're solid colors and solid print and i was like encouraged by the community around many people saying no that's the charm of printmaking that's Mm -hmm. when people can tell that you've made this by hand this is where you can tell people that you put work into something and it's each piece is unique each print is unique and there's been times where I'd print it off and my wife would be like, did you, like, is it, like, did you, is it from the printer? Like, no, 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 this is actual, like, no, take, like, look at, feel the paper and you feel the texture. I mean, upon closer look, you can see that it is, like, actually from a block. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that appeal to me to make something and put aside my desire to, for the, the, the print to be crisp. And I mean, there's times when you lose the details that you really want. But I do feel like there's that charm that I'm learning to embrace. And even like when I'm teaching the class, it's like, man, lean into that. That 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 shows that you've made this by hand. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is something that you really do need to get close to, as you said, to get the mm-hmm. feeling for it. And so I'm the kind of person that when I go into someone's house or a store or something and it has art on the walls, I'm always just first thing I do is just get up really close and see, is this an offset litho? Is this Mm -hmm. a hand-drawn litho? Mm -hmm. Is this a digital print? But you really can't see it in reproduction, which is so interesting. And just in photographs, it's actually just sort of as a side story. I, I went to, I was on a road trip recently and somewhere in, in Alabama, we were, my friend Megan and I who were on the trip, we we needed to go get something at an REI and it was in the same strip mall as this thing that was called America's greatest gun store. And so we were like, well, let's go see what that's about. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And we go in and of course guns everywhere and there's historical guns, but they ended up having this incredible art collection of original lithographs of sort of propaganda lithographs, very Erica Walker, if you know her work, Mm -hmm. these bold words and 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 colors and they had all of these original lithographs mixed in between reproduction lithographs hanging on the walls and i just i just wanted to find someone and and to be like do you yeah yeah yeah, guns 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 whatever but like do do you know how great this art collection is but did you know that like this one this one is the one you really need to protect and like it's just no matter what it is when you see that real print because you can get up there and that artist's hand is there that's the difference right you can see a stroke you can see some chatter you can see some texture and that has that 
connection to the person who made it to the person who printed it. And it's just, it's so much more powerful than the perfection of something digital. For sure. There's, you can, you can really invest that time just to see what, I mean, just learning about it, but going to the America's greatest gun store, it's a place for everyone, right? Yeah. <laughs> I would, I don't know if I would bring my kids there just to appreciate the original lithographs, but there's something about it just to know that, you do need to get right in there just to put your eye right up to it. And if the artist allows it just to feel the texture, like I let mm-hmm. my kids feel the prints once it's fully dried to be like, this is the difference. This is the difference between what you see from the photocopier and from what you see, you know, prints that I purchased from other artists or their more digital co- copies. Like this is the appeal to it. And so mm-hmm. lean into it. Yeah. Are your kids interested in, in what you're doing? Have they done any, printmaking alongside you or is that just sort of dad's thing so like the, the sharp tools and the sharp gouges yeah. um is something no i embrace it i tell them to use it no oh okay uh, you're, you're like have a little sword fight kids yeah, yeah just, just darts and you know, it is, <laughs> they are definitely interested more of my daughter's interested in seeing kind of art like my wife's a screen printer and so mm-hmm. she's interested in seeing all the work that she does and the, the work that she puts into it and so for one of her birthday parties, she was like, can we make stamps? Oh, when I nice. first started, Yeah, when I first started block printing, I was like, I'm comfortable. I know that I can carve large pieces. So I'm going to start carving a little smaller and tinier just to keep practicing that, that fine detail carved. And so I would make stamps because it's easy, easy to make. And my daughter was like, can I do that for my birthday party? And I'm like, 100%, yes, you got this. So I got some blocks and I got her, her friends to come and they drew their design onto the blocks and then I carved it for them. Oh, that's great. Yeah, just to, for something that they could bring home with them, they drew it and they knew kind of what they did. Something like, yeah, something like a loot bag where you can make a, yes, I, I drew this and they I made a stamp out of it or Ella's dad made a stamp out of it. Yeah. But there's there's interest in there for them to, to actually appreciate it. They know how whoa, that's like intricate. They can tell the difference between like an intricate and a more simple carve. And so when they can see that, I got like, I feel like the opposite. I'm like, can I put it on the fridge? You know, can, uh-huh. can, can you tell me more why you like it. But yeah, they, they are, they're appreciated just to see like that something from a blank block to a carved block to a printed block f- fascinates them because they see it's mm-hmm. kind of sitting around to like, they kind of, I caught them a couple times, like on a lino mounted on wood. I, I caught them kind of rubbing, their, like running their hands through the details of the car, just to see for themselves, to feel for themselves what it took for me to to make that. And so, I won't ever shy away from that. I won't. No, watch out for your greasy hands. Like no, like feel it and just get get into it, so they know. And there's some times where I would kind of walk beside them and or stand beside them and just do the careful carves away from you. So. Mm-hmm. Just to get the oh, feel man. for it. Yeah. They're so well set up. I would say that they're better set up than the average American art collector even to understand printmaking yeah. now. <laughs> well, just, yeah, there's, there's, there's things that I've learned from teaching students about it that I to give it to my kids. I'm like, are you understanding kind of what the, the basics, the fundamentals of the angle of the tool, how deep, just the, the nuances of block printing and they kind of, they're interested, they start it. Then they get frustrated. They walk away. <laughs> That's the way it is. That's the usual the cycle. It's like, oh, yeah. amazing. Can you finish this for me? I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. There's, there's interest to start. And then when something else shiny comes along there. 
<laughs> they, 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 so they're kids. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they're kids. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, so in your, in your printmaking journey, sort of from that first early speedball kit days and, and that sort of thing and, and feeling that you were really connected to it. I know that at one point a trip to China influenced some of what you're doing and, and some of how you're working. Can you tell us about that? Oh, my parents really, really did some some good in me to bring me to China, where my mom is from. Mm-hmm. And so we, as a family, went there and we toured. We did the, the tour around different areas of Beijing. Mm-hmm. And there was a vendor who was selling paper cut art. Mm. Now, paper cut art is intricate form that dates all the way back to like many, many centuries ago, just of being able to take a design and carve it or to cut it into one piece to be, to become one piece of different subject matters of Zodiac, Chinese Zodiac of birds mm. of flowers. And that really, I, my Zodiac is a horse. And so naturally I purchased it or my parents purchased it for me. And I remember bringing it home. I remember looking at it carefully. Like I, I know I appreciate it. I'm sure there was a little like, show they said look at what we're doing and i bought it and i brought it home and looking at it I'm like they someone actually cut this and yeah one piece and there's something about it that i really was fascinated with and i wanted to kind of bring that art form with block printing where the designs kind of are nod to it just to the one continual piece to to create and so finding speedballs like crimson red crimson red like the mm. Relief ink really kind of smoke oak. It's a bold color. That's the mm-hmm. same kind of color as the the paper cut. And so, yeah. And for the last maybe year or so, I've been leaning more into that style. That those those elements that that really fascinated me as a kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And and so, it is it the paper cut have a long history in China. Is it is it a an, an older or more traditional art form? Yeah, yeah, right back to even the the early days of when paper was was invented. It just yeah. just gave you the opportunity for for people to tell stories with with this. And instead of I, I don't, they had special scissors that are tiny little made to be able to cut. And I don't know, like I've seen videos of it where they fold it into almost like like making snowflakes back in elementary school. Mm-hmm. But they would fold it, and they would know where each piece was going. And so the 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 history of it back into the, the Han dynasty or one of those dynasties where it really, I know it was just, I probably wrote it down somewhere for me to remember <laughs> longer than 10 years. We'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. The, not something, yeah. not something new for the tourists. Not yeah. absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So they're just bringing that along and just saying like, they we're bringing that art to you accessible for you to purchase these, this art form and watching them do it. The, the intensity because they're staring at this piece and they kind of want to make sure it's because it's paper also so it's delicate mm-hmm. you don't want to tear and rip and you have to kind of know where each cut is and what leads to the next one so you're not causing a big hole where the piece falls apart so yeah that just really really brought a lot of my intention for introducing to even the block like the, the printmaking community of Chinese paper cut art the design the folk art that came from from so long so far away that showing that it still exists it's still somewhere and yeah yeah absolutely and so it sounds like that was a pretty big influence in developing your style would you say so more so i mean Mm -hmm. the comparison of looking on 
social media and seeing where everybody's at because you appreciate what they're doing. There's just, there's so much to it. And I wanted to tell my own story, something that was mm. based on my experience of going to China and seeing these pieces and bringing it to, to what I'm doing now was kind of an easy transition because I could feel like there's something to it. There's something to these designs. And then now people can have accessible to it and seeing it and printing it. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's been, it's more fun for me because I can actually dig back. I'm doing like research on, on, on these different elements that are in it, flowers, birds, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. How would, how would you describe your, your current style and your current aesthetic? You know, you, I feel like you've got such a strong voice in what I see you do. It was one of those things where if, if I saw your piece out in the world, you not attached to it, I'd be like, oh, that looks like a Jeremy Watt. You know, like you, mm. you have, you definitely have a voice. Was that something that came quickly to you? Was it something intentional? Did you, did you want that sort of strong aesthetic or what was that journey like to create that style, that, that, that look in what you make? I think just from feeling like it's been a little rough for the Asian community in the last couple of years and, mm-hmm. and what we represent and what is what we're known what we're known for and how things have been going. And so for me to <clears throat> excuse me, to invest time to just read into more of just the diversity in, in the designs, I knew that there was still intricacy that kind of paired well with my desire for even my illustration styles more detailed and and so when I saw that could translate well with having these tiny tools that could carve, it paired well. I felt like it paired well and kind of paid homage to something that was people loved seeing in the paper cut to, to my art now, just to see like, man, like even some of the pieces are like, how did you, like, how did you even cut that? And I'm like, well, it's the tool is a part and my nearsightedness helps because I'm like right <laughs> up there. Yeah. Of these details. Right. So yeah, it just feels like there's, there's, there's bonus because my kids can see this. They, mm. I can tell them more about the stories of, of where this came from and why it's significant. Mm-hmm. And and your choice to have a, a really curated palette of colors, mm. you, you use just a few. And I think that's part of what gives that really strong voice. Did that come about really early on for you? Or, or was that a conscious choice where you said, actually, no, I can do what I need to do with with these reds and these and these darks i think when i started out with the stamps it was the black ink it was easy mm-hmm. it was accessible and so i would make these stamps and i would stamp them as even as a test print but then when i first did the first print with this red this rich red i was like man that just pops and it really mm-hmm. brings out and for me that is a big part of why i choose that color because it also has a significance in the asian culture the chinese culture of red represents mm-hmm. so much and so for me to incorporate that is kind of an easy choice i just bought a whole stock of red just because <laughs> that felt like there was there was a need for that i think there's just there's there's something to it where you're looking at even my feet is mostly black relief inks and because you can catch all the contrast and the, the colors of, of between the paper mm-hmm. so there's something with the red that really pops in my the, the subject and that really brings it out to you and it only came from experiment, right? I've done a, a puzzle block print where I use a black and a red. And I was like, does it, should I use this one as red? This one is black. And took experimenting, finding out what really drew my, my eye, my wife's eye, just to see what would you prefer? And she gave really good notes on how to, how to make that happen. 
Yeah, one of the many benefits of being married to another creative person. I, well, I experience stupid. it myself. <laughs> Love it, right? Just being able to lean on someone that you can trust to know that they they know what they're talking about and it's not for approval. It's just like, yeah, there's sometimes where you feel like, is this does this work? Does this work? And for me to lean into her for for that kind of those notes have been kind of important to me because it's yeah, usually artists usually are kind of still in their head mostly working all these details in your head. Does it look good to me? And you post it and you that's your your audience is the people that you post to. And sometimes if you lean too much into that, that kind of sways your your craft a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I and and having someone in your home who knows you too. So it's not just this this person who also happens to be a creative person. They know you and they know your values and they know where you're coming from. So when you ask these questions, it's so wonderful that they can be invested in it and also know your point of view. That's a pretty right. magical thing. Yeah. Because it, it, all, it all comes from a good place, right? They want to see you thrive. They want to see you succeed. Much like I do with her work, you know, her her, her apparel that she designs and the designs, the illustrations that she designs and for me that's like invaluable to have that voice also to just a different perspective she has a different upbringing than i did and so what do you what does this mean to you and i know you don't i'm familiar with the rich history of of this but what does this speak to you as you know but is usually just a lot less words than like hey what do you think or hey look what i <laughs> look what i made and usually they're like really encouraging but also like there's no like lots of details in this but mm-hmm. there's yeah you learn to, to trust them and to be able to feel like they are part of it too mm-hmm. totally i i dated an artist once who would always ask his dad about his work and his dad was not an artist and he used to just always comment on the signature on the pieces <laughs> right and it just, uh, I had, I had, I had to be like, "Hunt, you got, you got to stop asking your dad. You, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to get what you're, you're just setting yourself exactly. up for heartache. Right. right. But yeah. So it, it is, it is really important to have people in our lives like that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you don't have that person in your own home, I think there are people that you can lean into. There's a small community within, within your city or within even just the, the, the medium just saying like, Hey, just throw some thoughts out there just to be on the same page, just so you know, you know, where I'm at. And because there's, there's no agenda for them. They're not trying to impose their style. They're not like, mm-hmm. Hey, I would do this. I just moved all this away. It's giving you constructive criticism, which yeah. is helpful for me. I lean more towards and It's nice. My parents would always do that. They would be like, it's, that's beautiful. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> but that's kind of the extent of it. Like you said that four times and it's not that I don't believe you. There's no like, part of it it's like what makes it beautiful what and i don't ask i'm not asking for that just to put that pad on my back but it's just you're just asking you're asking the wrong person totally because they're focusing on something different yeah and, and talking about visual communication i mean it's it's a skill and it's not one that we really get taught in school yeah i had to learn it boots on the ground working in a commercial gallery and I got a little bit of it doing a master's in art history. We always were encouraged to truly describe what's happening in the piece objectively. And just that right. skill alone helped. But in terms of feeling, of putting words to what you feel when you're looking at something that transcends words, 
that's a trickier thing. That's a higher, mm-hmm. it's a higher mountain for sure. Yeah. But I love that you've been equipped to do that, right? You've been put into a scenario where you do do that. You're like, usually it's a person that you trust. It's usually someone that's too close to you. Mm. They're like, I don't want to tell you this, but when you're in a place in an in, uh, institution where it's like, you were teaching you, this is how you do it. It kind of gives you that perspective of what you can appreciate and you learn from that and you lean into it. So, Yeah. Tim and I actually have a habit in the house where if we're showing each other something, like if he's showing me a print or I'm showing him a video that I've produced, we'll, we'll watch it and we'll ask, we'll just say straight up, do you need affirmation or do you need feedback right now? And it works really well. So I can just be like, right now, I just need affirmation. He's like, killer, babe. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's all you needed. It was just that. I just encourage you. Yeah. Or like, no, no, like I'm in a place for feedback. And then he'll be like, well, it was great, but this part was slow or whatever it is. And that served us really well because sometimes you do just need a high five. And sometimes you do really need feedback. And they're two very different places. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's times where my wife will show me a design and it's a work in progress. And so I'm like, ah, oh, I would probably do this. Like, no, 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 it's not quite there yet where I think it is. And the and the final result is usually something completely different. But I've asked her, I'm like, maybe don't I don't I don't ask me when it's mid-thought. Mm-hmm. Because with how we decorate our house, how many things that she has in her head of what it's supposed to end up looking like, I'm not quite there yet to see what that final product looks like. So I'm seeing what's kind of in the mid ground. And so I'm like, Oh, you could do this. And she was like, no, 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 sorry. And I was like, okay, let's just put a pin in it for now. Show me what you have. And then we'll talk again. Same thing. What you, what you said, like with Tim affirmation or critique. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Cause those two things get it distinct. (laughs) Those two will lead you to either um, a quiet evening or (laughs) a really excited (laughs) evening of like, man, this is amazing. You're like, you're doing great to, I'm so sorry. Let's go yeah. get a coffee. But yeah. yeah. Do we just need to sleep on this? We might just need to sleep on this. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, speaking of visual communication, you mentioned in passing, and I know from just knowing a bit of your work, you've also been an illustrator, which again, I feel like is almost another branch on that visual language tree where you might have graphic design as a branch and fine art as a branch. And then illustration I feel like is is a similar and related animal but kind of a different animal than doing other things do you find that to be the case I do feel like it, it instead of staying in a blank canvas which most even illustrators do it's less so because you kind of have something in your mind and you're able to translate that onto the block or the paper and so that transition from I don't know what to do to, I'm just going to start sketching. Like being illustrated doesn't mean to have a finished final piece. It's drawing Mm. thumbnails and drawing iterations and changing the way it's supposed to look. And for me, it's been, I know what I want to look like. I mean, there's the age of now tablet drawing where it's a lot easier to illustrate and then erase it and start again. But one key thing that I learned from block printing is that there's no command Z when you're block printing. Right. There's no undo button where you feel like, okay, I've carved into this block or and this, I can't put it back. And so from illustrating on digital tablet or even video produ- production, I haven't been able to feel like, okay, I actually carved a little stamp that says no command, like, no command Z, zero command Z. <laughs> Just a reminder to be like, Take your time, slow down, because 
this is it. You're kind of given this chance to carve into the block. And so that's been part of it too. Illustration, we're given the freedom to erase and delete and do all that stuff. But bringing that into block printing is just more intentional with like, okay. And then when it does happen where you make a mistake, what do you do with that? I started off by doing portrait stamps. I was like doing people's faces because I made one of my face with a speech bubble and I put it in my kids and lunches, like this note that said like, Hey, you're doing great. I'm proud of you. Try not to eat the treats first, you know, Uh Uh these little notes. And I posted it just because I'm like, man, I, I kind of like like the way it is. And so I started doing portrait stamps for people. And that is a very intimidating thing because people like know what they look like. Yeah. And between between drawing as an illustrator, I could draw it on a tablet or a piece of paper saying, this is what it's going to look like. Thank you so much. You got it. But carving it onto a piece of rubber, mm-hmm. that no command Z cloud that hovers over my head is like, you could accidentally take out an eye. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes it becomes. You, you're gonna have a patch. You're gonna wear. We're, we're gonna yeah. put up glasses. You're wearing sunglasses. All of yeah. you are wearing sunglasses. So that really, yeah, really should change the way I went from block printing to illustrating. Like, no, take your time. Like, feel feel it out. Just you know that. Like, to know that you can't do that, or there's probably some ways to to fix it. But when there are mistakes, what do you do with them? Mm-hmm. And how do you kind of make the block your own now? But there's been yeah. times where I've like scrapped the block. I was gonna say, yeah, and, and like at what point can it do you just have to like say it's not savable? <laughs> you know? Savable when the iris from the eyeball is gone or mm-hmm. the eyebrows are gone and you've done a lot of cosmetic surgery from the block. <laughs> and so I flipped the block over and then I just started over again. I think there's the investment of time to do it, to know like, well, is it worth saving or are you okay with an eye patch? Which <laughs> I think would be cool. Totally cool. Yeah. A scar. Yeah, I'm a big David Bowie fan, so eye patches all the way, always. you know. Always. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I remember seeing these I remember seeing that that really charming stamp that you made of yourself with the speech bubble and I just thought it was so sweet that you're using for your kids' lunches, but something that really struck me about it was was how well it worked. You know, I I'm always amazed at the ability to when visual artists reduce information and keep essence, which is exactly what a essentially relief carving portrait of someone has to be, is that you're it's 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 flat, it's one color, you know, it loses so much of what we do about the face and the self, but you manage to retain your essence and then the other ones I've seen of yours, they they really look like distinctive people. So I wanted to ask, how do you do that? Do you have a process? Is it intuitive? Do you look at someone's face and you say, oh, Miranda's pointy chin is really a big part of her face. So if I was going to do a portrait of Miranda, I'd have to keep that pointy chin in. Or is it more just sort of feeling your way forward? I would never say you have a pointy chin. (laughs) That's not how you start a a conversation. So do you want me to emphasize a chin? Do you want to dull it? No, there's... It is very, very nerve-wracking, yeah. even just doing an illustration, because it usually starts with the digital illustration of pictures as references, just so that I can, if I do it on paper, on pencil and paper, that time, I want to kind of be quick and want to be kind of accessible for them. So I do it digitally, illustrate their face. I, 
as an illustrator, you kind of know which points you want. The eyes are kind of where you right. want to focus on to make sure it's the right position, perspective, hair, hairline. So when I do the digital proof and I send it to them, that is like a, oh man, this could go two ways. Like the, I'll tell you a story about when I was in one of the restaurants when, when I was a kid, one of the, my friend's moms saw that I was drawing and she said, oh, you can draw people, right? So can you draw my son? And so I, it's still a little triggering for me. So I'm taking my time with this. <laughs> so I drew him as best I could as a, as like a middle school kid and gave it back to her. And she says like, that looks nothing like him. Oh. And I'm like, oh, thanks for making me feel good about just trying. Like you, I'm eating my, I'm eating my, my noodle dish here. And you told yeah. me to draw your son kind of read the room. I'm, you know, but <laughs> to me. So when, when I get those digital proofs and I send it off to them, can go two ways. My friend's mom, who said it looks nothing like me, or yeah, let's do this, or hey, can you make my my chin less pointy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, there's there's definitely nuances to that. And then I am able to transfer it to my block. Got a process of printing it out, ironing it onto the rubber block, and it's the closest I can to it. And that's where the practice of block printing is. How can you take what you've drawn on digital proof to your block to make it so that it you don't want to be completely different. So usually I tell the the person in the case, so this is the digital proof. This is what I think you look like. This is what I'm highlighting. I'm going to transfer it. It may not, it may not look the same as the block. Knowing the nuances of a block where if it's, if I sneeze and I take out part of, take a part of your eyebrow, you're yeah. going to have a little bit less. So obviously you try to keep it as close to the digital proof. So that's where it is. I usually how I do it is I send it to them, then I carve it, and then I do a an ink test print. And then I'll take a photo of the test print saying this is what comes out of it, just so they can know that okay, they're not just showing me something that you showed me in a previous post, and now you're I'm going to send you a block with something else. So usually it's worked where the nuances of sharper lines comes, and yeah, there's it's nerve wracking. So I stopped doing it. Let's just yeah. <laughs> stop it overall. I just said it's not worth like it's it's not it's, it's completely worth it. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot that comes with it where you want it to be as accurate as possible. To that's why caricatures. Have you seen videos of caricatures? People being doing like my nose is big, but like not that big, mm-hmm. and like, kind of have to, to flow with it. And so for me to do that, I just been kind of focusing on the other parts, the bigger the bigger prints. That yeah, know, stage is a good way to start. It reminds me a little bit of an interview I heard with the illustrator who did the Magic School Bus books. Did you have those growing up? Oh yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like I'm, I'm a, I'm an '84 baby, so that was like prime right, right for there. me, yeah. right there. And so you remember Arnold, the kind of nerdy, nervous kid. Yes. So there was a it probably on PBS or something, an interview with the illustrator. And he told this story about how he based Arnold off his friend's son. And years later, he told this guy, oh, you know, Arnold, I I based him on you. And the guy got so upset. Oh, no. (laughs) Because he was like, that nerd? (laughs) That's 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 how you feel. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you describe it like that. Yeah, it's like maybe maybe don't don't tell them where these characters come from. And, exactly. Yeah. So like that that way of of when you're illustrating, you're sort of letting people know how the world sees them, right? Which right. may not right. align with how they see themselves. Which that I could think would be very nerve wracking. That's why when it's a caricature, you're like, oh, I, I knew I had this 
slight flaw, but you've over you know, mm-hmm. exaggerated these things. And so it becomes self-conscious about, oh man, I sh- maybe I should, I shouldn't have glasses like these or so you choose your, your people wisely, but the success of the magic school bus, maybe there's some royalties to saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can, it's sleeping on a pile of money probably makes Perfect. things easier. Yeah. Magic school bus money is, is it quite a bit just to, <laughs> I reckon like, so. to buy a magic school bus. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And and so speaking of illustrations and doing illustrations of people, you did a, a a beautiful series on your Instagram. I think sometime last year, maybe at the beginning of this year, that looked like it might have been a, a family member who was in the service, and it was just this gorgeous series of of a lot of illustrations of people that again felt very much like portraiture, and it was done in this wonderful sort of light almost sort of sepia palette and and you told a story alongside of it and I just I don't know I just I I loved it and I thought it was such a beautiful use of Instagram for almost sort of long-form storytelling almost like a book and and I guess maybe I don't know I just I'd love to hear you 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 speak to that because it's something I don't think I'd really seen very much on Instagram I felt like I was reading a a graphic novel or something. And, and so maybe just tell people who haven't, who hadn't get a chance to read it, what the story was and, and why you went into it. Thanks so much. That was kind of really special to me. I, it was, of, it was for Inktober back in. October. Oh yeah. It's mm-hmm. a series where it's people drawing just with ink and that's sharing the work. I've been doing it for a couple of years. And this year I really focused on my grandfather, my mm. dad's dad who did a lot, not just, that's an understatement, but did a lot for, for the community and for his family. And I was given material upon material of and newspaper clippings of the work that he did, being a fire brigade chief, a principal of an aviation school. He was the first Asian to fly to England to, to wow. take a course. And this was story after story that I was hearing from my aunt and, and just reading the articles. He was, he was in an aviation museum in Hong Kong for his work. And so for me, it was an absolute pleasure to be able to create a story. And that wasn't the story. It's just kind of the timeline, just of mm-hmm. where he came from and all the works that he did. And to me, it was something that I wanted to share with my, the rest of my family and like my, my aunts and uncle who was like, man, I, I know these stories, but seeing it on paper or seeing it like seeing it being shared really was like, this is really fascinating. Like he lived a full, generous, dutiful service for 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 the aviation school as a principal teaching students how to fly and to the engineering behind it. And for me it was it was, it was very fun, but also very research heavy. Yeah. To see where, where it all came from. But yeah, I had I had newspaper clippings. He had meetings with royalty just for his work and being awarded an MBE in England, and being f- flown there to just be, accept this award for his many years of service. Yeah, there was the war that broke out and really shut the school down, and he found a place to still take his time and still teach. And, and yeah, it was my my aunt who helped me put together, kind of really encouraged me to look at this style of illustrating and make it more a little bit dated, nothing to this detail in it, but 
there's there's something about to tell the story. I've never created a graphic novel. I did kids. I've illustrated a handful of children's books. But this to me was more personal to know that mm-hmm. this is a guy I knew. I knew he had lots of stories. And I just picked a few of them just to, to highlight. And so to me, being able to share that with my family and with my friends and for them to share their stories of their family was was pretty pretty cool. cool experience. Yeah. yeah, I remember a few times seeing it and it would be someone would would be inspired by what you wrote saying oh well my grandfather was doing this and it, it that connection with other people and and you know i think you you say in terms of the relationship that you had with him as 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 a young kid that he never talked about meeting the duke of edinburgh no with you no right <laughs> you know so it's this hit, um, not a hidden story but like not something that grandpa just Shared, I guess, yeah. Well, he was a, like a super humble guy. Language was one probably barrier, but it was just him just living his life. He was just known as a grandpa who bought me a toys once in a while and who'd whistle through his teeth, and I would remember those those little mm-hmm. moments. But there's something about, like, he had lived those moments. He had been honored for those moments, and he kind of left it up to his kids to kind of tell the story. And then so the response we kind of fell on me to continue those through that and to be able to share those with the community people through one drawing is is pretty neat just to see that he's not alone we're not saying he's highlighted between all the different people who've been awarded mbes but for my family and my extended family that was big for them big 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 for them so yeah absolutely and and you know that that for me it speaks to a bit that you know the power again of visual communication because if you just had a block of text, right? If you just took everything you wrote and you put it in a big single space block in Times New Roman, it wouldn't have the same effect. It wouldn't have the same emotional connection. And and I think even if you took the text and matched it with your reference photos, it wouldn't have the same emotion. Exactly. There's something about the translation, again, as you were talking earlier, the translation that goes through the artist's hand, that it's just this hook that instantly I'm there. I want to know the story here. I, 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 I want these pages to unfurl. And it's a powerful thing, illustration. Again, it's, it's, it has, for me, a, a different sort of function in our, in our rainbow of visual language, right? It, it has this place of, that can be so gripping because it's so specific and can be so beautiful. For sure. Like as, as a visual learner, you kind of all can be said in just this, this picture, or this mm-hmm. photo, you know, so much can be like, I can see this detail that some other person might not. And my mind doesn't go towards reading a, a text block, a block of text where you're like, okay, I understand what's happening here. To me, to me, any, any reading feels like, like those agreements, terms and agreements. <laughs> my time to just to, to, to know what it's all about. But the way I use the yeah, graphic design too, just knowing negative space and for learning how to communicate that highlighting which parts to to let the audience know this is what i want you to focus on this is what i want you to look at and so yeah, it took some time but i really really enjoyed the process of it yeah do you think you'll do more family stories or more illustrations like that would you want to do more i think if i was given this i mean it was a lot of material that was given between yeah. like textbooks and newspaper clippings and so i think if this this right story came along that I think that would be something I'd be interested in, but it's it's hard because I I did it out of 
that the intent for that was to tell the story that was personal to me because it's a personal family member. And so if something came up, then that's for sure something that I would I would want to honor that using mm-hmm. that skill for people that like, oh, I, I didn't even know that about them because through that. But it's, it, took, it took time, but I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple times in the course of our chat the teaching that you do. And so I'd love to make sure we have a little time to talk about that. And just in terms of, do, do you teach online courses? Are you doing things in Manitoba? And sort of how does that fit into things for you? I I felt like I didn't know where to go next with just doing block printing. Uh-huh. Other than just kept on doing block printing and I would have moments where I, I had no idea what to make. And so the holidays were coming up and so I was like, oh, I want to make I want to make teach people how to make holiday cards. And so there was an opportunity to me for me to teach a workshop at a local studio and, and an art store. And I, so to kind of cut the time down, I designed a holiday card and then transferred onto block. And the time that they would spend, the two hour they spend would be for me to teach them kind of the basics of how to hold a tool, how to carve. And the rest of the time would be for them to carve the block out and then taught them how to roll the ink on and make their own cards so they can bring it home and make their own cards. And after that first experience, I loved being in a room full of people who was like, Mm -hmm. I'm here for a purpose. I want to learn something. And the moments when they're pulling back that peel reveal, that moment when they lift up the block and they're like, whoa, yeah, I made this. This is so cool. I'm like, I want to bottle that up. I want to be able mm-hmm. to feel like this is something like the empowering of a person to make something and see the the wonder of what they did with their own hands and to be proud to like, look what I made. And the, the nod of satisfaction, like, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then the feedback from that was like, I love being able to do something with my own hands and learn something new through the workshops. And so I, I emailed or messaged the my local art gallery, the Winnipeg Art Gallery, to see if they had any workshops going on. And the facilitator there was like, yeah, we've seen your stuff. And I was wondering if you would want to be a studio instructor. And I was like, that's the moment. I'm like, this could be something I could lean into really, really doing because that moment of bottling it up was in a class. It was a class of 10 students who was interested and brought their own creativity and brought their own thirst for, I want to learn something new and I want to do something with it. So coming up with like a 10 week curriculum kind of came natural to me. I'm like, I would love to learn how to teach them how to make cards, how to do puzzle block print, and the last project is a reduction line of cut, which is oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because they're like, how does your brain work? And, and most of the time, like, I don't know how my brain works for this, but you got to think about the layers. You got to think about the order you do them in. And so that's broken down into two classes at the very end because that's pretty advanced. But the majority of the class at the beginning is of the course is to learn how to do it, how to carve, how to be comfortable with it, and how to translate your artwork into there. Mm, and then the rest mm-hmm. of the like the ten week is creating projects, surface pattern printing, and like many different ways of of using it, from fabric printing to large large prints if they have the block. And so that is now my new highlight of life. Yeah. I think I need it because there's the, the, there's creativity in creating, but being among others that have that that bring their own skills is a it was a really cool thing to be a part of and to, to hear that collection of voices. They're like, ah, oh, that's so cool. 
and just multiple like <clears throat> to me printmaking is a generous art form it is something that gives a person a chance to make something over and over again and based on what you feel if you feel like you want to give it to someone you can just give them a print that kind of brightens their day mm. and that's i want that for the students it's not necessary to be like i want to make this so I can don't have to take a second mortgage and, you know, just make money from this, but just the expression of art and being able to make something and then be able to share it with friends. was a big part of it. That's same with my, like my, my idea of printmaking is be generous with it. I've been generously given some stuff and, and even just the generosity of speedball. I've been able to like, man, I just need to just keep making and then giving it away. And so the most recent example of that was during during the pandemic, I had made a mama bird print, just highlighting like, man, like my wife is just at home helping out with mm. schooling and she's trying to nurture and really care for these kids. And so I'm like, man, this, is, this one's for her. This one's like a print that it really speaks to me and it made it a little print. And then I got some people saying, hey, could you, could you make me a card? Can you make this into a card? And I was like, yeah, I, I I totally can. It's just a block and it's just ink. I have these already all here and I had mm-hmm. bought a bunch of cards and envelopes. So then I just put it out there. I said, Hey, like if you need to encourage someone right now who's stuck at home or anyone, anyone you feel that is not really in a good place, tell me, just message me and I will give you how many ever you want. Yeah. And I felt good. I felt good about that. Cause people that did, they respected it. Like I'll take three, I'll take five, you know, and that to me was a reason why I'm like printmaking is a generous, like just make them for people because something is not, not insignificant, but for, for me, it was just a moment where like, I want to highlight this. I'm going to make multiples. And then people that had them were able to encourage others and give other people to navigate through their tough times through art and just to write a little note saying like, Hey, like, hang in there. We've got you. Mm. I know what you're doing, what you have to get go through with this. And so I want that for the students, for them to feel like I want to be able to make something and make multiples. And that's why one of them is like cards, at least one person who has a birthday. So let's, let's work on it this class. And yeah, they've been really leaning into that. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's a beautiful note to wrap up on. I love what, everything you said and about like the generosity inherent in printmaking and that's wonderful. Well, before we sign off, do you have For sure. anything on the horizon that you want to shout out? Anything you're looking forward to? Anything you want people to know about coming up in the next few months? My serial hobbyist brain is <laughs> still kicking on. So I want to try different for me, different practices of the printing. Mm. And so it's, kind of navigating through that and videoing the process of me doing it because I think it's still a really great process. So it's just learning process, like learning. I'm always trying to learn something. So for me, it's walking alongside me as I learn and and then asking questions because I'll probably ask questions back. And so, yeah, that's what it is, is me continuing to find something I can like, hey, how can I make something for other people? So Beautiful. I love that. Jeremy, where can people find you and follow you and see your beautiful work online? Oh, thanks so much. I'm primarily on Instagram. It's made like at made by Jerwatt. That's me. That's where kind of I, I changed that name so many times from Prince by Jer and Artwork by Jer. And I'm like, no, my serial 
hobbyist brain will be like made by me so that yep. whatever I do is just made made by me so that's where I'm at and that's where I live and that's where it's a great medium for me to share the stories yeah wonderful well I will put a link to that in the show notes as usual and thank you again for taking some time out of your day today to to chat with me and, and share your story with everyone thank you so much this has been an incredible experience for me appreciate it If you liked today's episode, we have a Patreon, where you can help us keep the lights on and get bonus content. Like Shop Talk Shorts, where our editor, Timothy Pauschak, digs deep on materials, processes, and techniques with past guests. Also, if monetary support isn't in the cards right now, you can leave a review for us on your podcast listening app of choice, or buy something from one of our sponsors and tell them Hello Print Friend sent you. But as always, the very, very best thing you can do to support this podcast is by listening and sharing with your fellow print friends around the world. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Medhi Darvishi. We catch up since his first appearance on the podcast as episode seven. That's right, way back in episode seven. We talk about how the pandemic impacted his practice as an artist who relied on residencies to get his work printed, what you can learn from the art greats out there, coming to the U.S. for graduate school, and what the next few years at the University of Chicago might hold for him. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.